welcome to Destiny is Debatable, a podcast and movement that will encourage you to build your life into the one you want. Here's your host, a guy who's still remarkably tall for his age, John Grimes. Howdy, howdy. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in and supporting the podcast experience. As you may have heard, this little podcast has undergone a metamorphosis and a name change and is now Destiny is Debatable. And I'm very excited to share some developments and things that have been taking place behind the scenes as it pertains to my writing project and some other guests and some exciting features that we have coming down the road shortly. So I appreciate you being along for the ride and uh, couldn't do it without you. So thank you so much. Stay tuned for more details. And the catalog of previous episodes remain the same and are still available, but the website has changed to my personal website, which is johnbgrimes.com. So I encourage you to visit johnbgrimes.com for any breaking developments and to stay in tune with any of the exciting changes and social network changes and renames that we have. There's a lot of things going on, and I appreciate you being patient with me as we as we make all these things, all these changes, and and have all this um, excitement is probably just the best word. Everything is tremendous. It's going great. And I want to, again, thank you for, for being along on the journey. Someone else that's along on the journey is our guest for this episode, Sarah Schulting-Kranz. And uh, she is, uh, she's a great human, incredible human, and has been through quite an experience in her life. And it's, it's a pretty incredible story. She's a podcaster herself and an author and wrote a book called Walk Through This. And it's, uh, it's a really deep dive into some situations that happened in her life and uh, a lot about forgiveness and, and moving on. And with no further ado, howdy, Sarah. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you for having me on. You are also a podcaster, Sarah. That's not how I bumped into you originally, but uh, I've been listening to your podcast and I, I dig what you're, uh, you're putting down. And I'm glad to know that you're, you're down with OPP, if we can throw <laughs> it back to the 90s. Uh, with other people's podcasts. So it's awesome. Uh, this is going to be good. That <laughs> was <laughs> right there. I'm like, this is going to be good. <laughs> I almost want to start breaking out in dance and song, just so you know. <laughs> well, you can, you can, if you want to go ahead, this is um, either fortunately or unfortunately an uh, audio only podcast. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> that song's going to be in my head for the rest of this. Yeah. Well, the rest of the together. Yeah. Let's yeah, you know me. Oh, yeah. There that's you right. go. <laughs> that's right. It's good times. For us oh, uh, sort of 90s kids, that's that's a good jam, you know? And uh, I do kind of like to lighten the mood a little bit uh, before we get too crazy into this, the meat of what we're going to talk about here. I have some kind of wacky questions I want to ask you. Speaking of um, mm-hmm. music, do you have? can you answer some wacky questions? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Bring them on. Okay, cool. So what is your favorite band or type of music? Oh, okay. So I would say I actually am an 80s lover. I love I love some good hard rock. Um I have to say. I I that's my hard that's rock. That's where it all starts. 80s. Yeah. Um, that immediately takes me to Hair Bands and Motley Crue and Van Halen. Yeah, like Motley Crue, Van Halen, uh, Poison was my first concert. I think that that's actually where I started to love the stage. Uh, I was young. My parents, I still don't know why they let me do this, but we went to the Poison concert down at the Dane County Coliseum. And I was 
pulling my girlfriends all, all the way to the front of the stage because I was like, let's get closer, let's get closer, let's get right up there. And then, of course, they throw a guitar pick, and I caught the guitar pick. Nice. And, and it was you, green. You still have mm, it. Still it's have. in your pocket right now. Got it. <laughs> it's not in my pocket right now, but it will forever be in my pocket, only as a memento of what it was like to get that close to the energy of the stage mm -hmm. and to, you know, to just like be in the action, right? Yeah. And now, though, I will say that I love everything from Bocelli. That's been my new thing. And my mom passed away in July of 2022. And I always told her I was going to take her to a Bocelli concert. We never made it. And so, Recently, he was here and I had my kids go with me for Mother's Day. And what's funny about this is that so we were down at the uh, Hollywood Bowl and I ended up getting us tickets pretty close to the front. And they were like, well, what are we going to go see? I go, Bocelli, you're going to love this. It's going to be great. It's all about the energy and the vibe. And, uh, you know, my kids are like, bro, mom. And so we got there and they loved it they were all in it they literally were like tears and they they were like this is like the best concert i've been to and i've been to a lot of concerts mom you know and i'm like hey listen it's all about it's all about the energy it's the energy that comes from the stage hence why now i speak today so there you go nice okay now back to the guitar pick for just a second do you know whose pick that was I don't. I don't. And you know what's funny? It's just recently I went and Googled the guitar picks from Poison because I I I have it. It's somewhere in my parents' house. I don't know exactly where it is. And um I don't know. I don't I don't know. I wish. I wish I could. You could just make it up. Now it's mine. <laughs> well, I mean like who who's who's the you know, who whose guitar it flew off of? I don't right. I don't know the poison guys. Oh, so I don't know how to help you good there, but, times. Yeah. good times. Yeah, I would say that that that's that would be where it all stemmed from. Okay, you're also an, an author. We'll talk about your book mm -hmm. here in just a little bit too. You that probably makes you a reader. Actually, you are a reader. I know because in your book you cite a lot of a lot of books that you um, read. So, what is the most significant book or maybe author that you've run across? Oh my goodness! Do you know the book that? The book that really changed, so so I used to be a really avid reader when I was younger, and then I had kids, and I didn't read quite as much, and then when I started going through a lot of my betrayal, like recovery from betrayal, and just really diving into nature and healing and everything, one of the books that struck me was Alison Levine. She wrote On the Edge. Uh, she was the, uh, the woman, she was the captain of the first all-women's American team to climb Mount Everest. And it's all about leadership. And what I needed at that time in my life was a kick in the butt for some good mindset work. And so reading her book was huge for me. And then it, long story short, like coming full circle, it turns out that we have a mutual friend. And so here I was like, like, you know, girl loving on her, like, oh God, to be Allison. Like, that's just like the coolest thing that she climbed Everest. And now here I am climbing mountains myself today, literally and physically like climbing mountains. And it turns out that after all that time and me having this big girl crush on her, we ended up having this mutual friend and like now we text and it's just funny, right? Nice. You like look up to the people and then you end up be becoming friends with them because it's literally what a two degree of separate. I don't even think it's two degrees, six degree. I don't even know what it is, but yeah. it's close, Kevin, Kevin right? Bacon's involved somehow, I think, right? Kevin Bacon's involved. So, yeah. Somehow or another, <laughs> we both know Kevin Bacon. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get him on the pod. <laughs> All right. So you're uh, going out to dinner with 
uh, three people that are not your family from any period in the world. Oh, jeepers. Oh, three people. Well, so I would say that this is going to, this is going to sound a little bit uh, interesting for me to be bringing this up. I would say that the three people that I would love to have dinner with that are not of this world right now would be my grandfather. I never met him. And I have this whole thing about family, generational learning, understanding who I am today because of the patterns or the, you know, the, the, this all the way down to the cellular space of who we are as humans. So I would love to have met my grandfather, my mom who passed away because I would love to sit with my mom and my grandfather and have that conversation. And then who would the other third person be? Mother Teresa, because my mom had this thing for Mother Teresa and I would love to sit with those three. I think that that would be a really, that would be some pretty good information and some great conversation, especially having Mother Teresa there opening up my mother, mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's, that's, who, that's who it would be. Yeah, all right. Uh, you talk a lot about nature and stuff in your book and kind of in your, your I guess, career and what you do. Mm-hmm. What, what is like your happy place in nature? Like, where do you go and everything is everything's right? Somebody just asked me this recently. They said, where, like, where do you feel most at home? And to be honest, whenever I'm anywhere outside, I feel really at peace and at home. I will say that the Grand Canyon, hence my signature retreats that I lead there now, that would be my space of the ultimate home space. Like, that's where I go And I feel like the breath, like my breath gets deeper. And I don't know if it's just also because we're talking metaphorically like the canyon space, but that has been my place where I have learned so much about me. And so every time I go back, it's almost like this relearning or this like self-reflection on who I once was, who I am today and who I'm becoming. So I would say that that would be the place where I feel really aligned in every version of me that said (laughs) it depends if like i'm looking for some good jam like uh sarah wants to get you know super stoked out on yes i'm 50 using these words um but you know if i really want to like feel this push myself to an extreme i now have been in this process of waypointing the sierra nevada mountains so there's no trail you're literally using map compass and waypoints and you're standing on top of a peak and you got to figure out how the heck am I going to get to that peak that's you know umpteen miles away knowing that then beyond that one's the next peak right and to me that's like that's a source of energy that it's super high energy it's super it's high risk it's also high reward and so that's where I love to go to to really find like what am I capable of So it really depends on what am I, like, what's my intention? What am I looking for? What am I seeking uh, and finding? It's not only like seeking, but like, what am I finding? What is my intention for being there? Um, But every single freaking place that I, like the ocean, you go out in the middle of the ocean, I'm out there with whales and dolphins. And it's just like, I don't know. I don't know how you can't get excited about just being out in this grand space and like, being with these creatures and you know 
that that so many of, of them, you know, you really you don't have a clue what's going to happen out there. And that's the beauty of it. Yeah. Or it could be the, the craziness of it. Or the craziness of it. And, you know, I think a lot of people have a lot of fear around it, but I don't like I I think I've been out there so much. It's not that I'm not, you know, not it's not that I'm being stupid about it. It's literally, though, that I've found so many different versions of me that I feel super, super comfortable out there. And wherever it is, if it's, you know, paddling with whales and dolphins four, four five, six miles off the shore, or if it's in the mountains, like, I just feel at home. That's my home space. And they probably know you by now. So maybe they, they know to, they protect you by now, I would say, right? The whales and dolphins keep everything else away. Uh, you know, you'd be shocked. There, I do believe that there are some of those creatures out there that absolutely show up time and time again, and they start to know who you are. Absolutely. Okay. And finally, in your book, you mentioned something that was a little bit intriguing to me, and it's probably very simple, but maybe it's not. You mentioned a drink, hot water, honey, lemon drink or tea, or I don't know. What that's what I'm drinking right now. Oh. That's, that's literally what I'm drinking right now. That's really funny. So oh, I don't absolutely. know if you can share the recipe. That might be a secret, but... <laughs> What, what, tell me what that's all about besides oh, everything it sounds like everything so i think that we have these things that that take us back to the root of who we are if it's our childhood or whatever and when i was a little girl my mom used to make me these hot toddies which back in the midwest it's hot water honey lemon with a splash of bourbon or yeah. kind of hard dark wicker uh that's what we did back then and so if you were sick you got a hot toddy to sip on to make you feel better well when i was going through my trauma recovery about 10 it's, it's actually coming up on 10 years now that all of that went down i couldn't eat your 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 you go your whole body goes into trauma and i don't know if you experienced any of this or not but like the complex ptsd just wreaks havoc on a cellular level of who you are and i couldn't eat i couldn't i literally would force myself to have an apple a day and i was losing so much weight so quickly that it actually started to scare me and so i what i would do all day long would because it, 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 I couldn't drink bourbon all day. Give me a break. Like, I mean, I could have, yeah. but didn't. Um, Probably be a different end of the story if you did. It would be yeah. a very different end of the story. But I would drink hot water, honey, and lemon, and that would soothe me. It would make, it would remind me of what it was like when my mom would give me those drinks. But then it would also give me something to help me through my day when I couldn't eat. Right, and so it would. It provided me nourishment at the same time that it was making me feel better because I was in a really bad place. I don't know what else to say. It was just a really, really bad place. So I still drink it today, though, because what, what's it, the ratio? So here's the deal with honey. I think I was just talking to somebody about this. If you can find honey that is made in that area, wherever it is that you are, that's by far none. Get the get the homegrown. Get the home honey, right? Like a teaspoon of honey, and then I always take. Uh, this is so funny. Nobody's asked me this. A quarter of a lemon, squeeze it in, keep the lemon in there. You need the whole rind and everything, and then just fill it up with hot water. Bourbon. When I'm drinking, I just had one of these actually back home not that long ago, and the I was at the local bar, the bowling alley, and they were like, "Well, what kind of bourbon do you want?" And I said, "Well, Red Bullet, if you have it." And they happened to have it, and um, 
they put in a, what was it? They put in one shot, one shot of bourbon. I was like, ooh, that's a lot of bourbon, but I'll take it. <laughs> a hot toddy at the bowling alley. A hot toddy at the bowling alley. <laughs> He was good. (laughs) All right. Well, that's all the wacky questions I got for you. I love these. Oh, my gosh. Nobody ever asks me wacky questions. I'm going to take this to the Thanksgiving Day table. (laughs) So, Sarah, uh, I found you. I think it was on LinkedIn. And your header or something on there was a, a statement that I just thought was just tremendous. Tremendously fascinating. And it was turn your setbacks into your greatest strengths. And I was like, man, that is that sounds intriguing. That sounds awesome. And then I found your book, which is Walk Through This, which is also very cool. And you have quite a story um, that you share in that book. And uh, I just want to talk a little bit about kind of that and I guess go a little bit into your story and how you got started with in the writing. And you've mentioned it earlier, your recovery process and all that kind of stuff. Turning your setbacks into your greatest strengths has been the storyline, I think, of, I would call it the the web of my entire life. The book itself came, it, it first started back when I was 17. I went through a really bad, difficult trauma at 17. And I remember when I was driving down the road, coming home from college, And I had this, I call it almost like a God wink moment where you hear this. For me, it was almost like hearing words in my head that said, you're going to write a book someday. Just keep going. You're going to make it through this. And it took me until I was, I was in my late thirties and I was sitting on a bed in Denver with my girlfriends. And I told them, I said, remember when I thought I was going to write a book someday? Why, why have I not written that book? And I remember my girlfriend's, one of my friends saying to me, start writing your, your life is a story already. Perhaps though, your story is not ready to be written, right? Like maybe there's more to it. And then I turned 40 and it was Thanksgiving weekend of 2013 coming up on 10 years when I found out my husband had been betraying me for most of our marriage. So for 14 of our 17 years, he had been betraying me and it rocked my world. It was five days of the most excruciating, painful experience to have walked through. Hence now the title of the book, Walk Through This. And it taught me that was the foundation of how to turn my setbacks into my greatest strengths as well. Right. It was this, these, it was the day before Thanksgiving that I, that I started to find out. And then it was over those next five days that I found all this information out. And we call that in this trauma recovery or in the work that I do today. And I do a lot of work with different people. I'm, I'm not a trauma coach, just I'm not only a trauma coach. Like I do a lot of work with people across the board, but in the trauma field, we call that uh, discovery and disclosure. So you discover that something happens and then it, you're disclosed the information behind it. Now, when we're thinking about the trauma that I went through, yeah, sure, that relates to it. And yet think about life with so many of us. Like that is, we have so many of us in our life have these discoveries. If it's whatever it is, right? Like we discover that we have uh, uh, cancer. We discover that you know we're going to lose our child. We discover whatever it is, right? We're going to we discover we're going to lose our job, our career, 
And then we have the disclosure and all the details behind it. And for me, going through those five days was by far the most difficult thing that I had ever gone through. I I went through some serious complex PTSD after that. You start to wonder about your entire existence and who you are as a partner, a mom, a friend, a daughter, a sister. I mean, all the way down to who I was back as a child. And you start to question, why me? And who am I outside of all of this? And that began 10 years ago, this pulling back the layers and discovering who I really was intended to be all along, which is this person that I am today, 10 years later, which is the coolest freaking thing ever to have walked through, to be honest with you. I mean, I think that for me, what I've learned and what I talk to people about is that understanding human potential has been now the coolest thing for me to witness, like understanding it, witnessing it, guiding people through it. That's really on the other side of this, uh, what I have found to be the coolest thing. Oftentimes, it, it, I think you know, turning your strengths or your setbacks into your greatest strengths, oftentimes I find that things that people see as a setback or something as a deficit in their life often is, is what makes them great and what actually gives them superpowers in a lot of cases. Have you ever found that to be the case? John, I can tell you by looking at you that you you got some serious superpowers yourself. Like, yeah, I absolutely find that. You know, it's the I think that the coolest thing is when you can look at people and you're just like, dang, they like people that I just meet just at the most random places, right? Like somebody put a comment under one of a post today on LinkedIn and said, I met Sarah in 20, I think it was 2015 on the airplane and wow, that story and watching how far she's come. And somebody else was like, wait, you met her, you sat next to her on the plane and you've watched this journey since then. And I'm like, yeah, but see, that's the beauty of this world is that we have this ability to connect through story and understand that, yeah, you went through what you do, John. I went through what I did. And yet, because we went through these really deep, difficult, hard journeys, we've connected right now together, right? And to me, that's like pulling the superpowers of strength together and now pushing that out into the world for other people to understand what they're capable of too. I sit there and I'm like, how can you not look at your life when it's like that and just go, dang, like, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I wouldn't now understand something. I wouldn't I wouldn't wish what I went through on anyone. It it was really, really excruciating. And I look back at that version of me, Sarah, I call her 4.0 4. because now I'm 50. So I call myself Sarah 5.0. So at Sarah 4.0, I look at her and I just like, I just want to wrap my arms around her, hug her and tell her what an amazing woman that she was, is, and thank God for her because She's the one that had to, to, to endure that pain in order for me to come out on this other side. Yeah, I like that. 4.0, 5.0. Going back to 4.0 in this Thanksgiving, we don't have to get into the specifics here, but Thanksgiving is like a time for family and <laughs> happiness and you know, cooking a turkey. And Were you around family? Was there a lot of people there when all this was going down or was it small group? Um, so I love holidays, by the way. I am a holiday uh, fanatic. We had 40 people coming like 45, 46, 48. I can't remember the number. 
I wrote it in the book. That's a uh, we lot. had we had a lot of people coming, and I'm I've always had that open door policy of if you don't have anywhere to go, you're coming to my house and I'm just going to pull you in and you're going to eat a lot and have fun and laugh with us. So yes, we had a lot of people coming and you know, what happened was that Wednesday um, I was expecting him home and we were supposed to be making pies together. Cause the other thing is that Sarah for 4.0 and now today too, I still do make a lot of pies, but I mean, I like, I love, I love cooking back then. And so he was supposed to come home, make pies without me. And we were supposed to get the, you know, dining room table already and do all the things. And he didn't come home. And it wasn't until that night, late that night that he, that he did come home. And that's when I realized that the person it's like, and maybe you went through this too. It's like the person in that moment, when you realize myself, it's like this, it's like the, the, the moment of realization that I will never be that person that I once was. And that, oh my gosh, I don't know what's going on here. And I know that I can't go back. Whatever is happening right now now at this moment, and I didn't understand it and I didn't know, I did know enough to know that my entire life just imploded. But I didn't even know how or what was going on. It's like the earthquake is shaking, right? Like you're going through the shaking and everything around you is crumbling and you're standing there going, okay, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's right? like the world is falling apart in slow motion around you. Yeah, it's the craziest freaking thing. And then, you know, after that, and 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 then for the then we had Thanksgiving and we still had Thanksgiving and uh, trying to keep it together as a partner, a mom, a wife back then, now divorced, you know, just a friend, like having all these family members and friends and all these people come over my community. And you're trying to keep it together. And yet, you know, that it's a fake, it's a fraud. Truly it's a fraud. Like I wasn't being a fraud. I, at that moment realized though, that my entire life, like wasn't real. <laughs> and so, but yet you don't know, like, you don't know how it's not real. You just know that it's not real. And so that was that like pulling back of the layers over those next, you know, over the course of those five days and finding out what the heck has been going on and how did I not know? It wasn't until the day after Thanksgiving that he did come to me and tell me, look, you know, this is what I've been doing. This is what's been going on. And it was in that moment when he told me, which proceeded into my TED talk a number of years later, uh, the first thing when I, when he did tell me this, that what was going on, that's when I realized, I said to him, I want a divorce, but I will forgive you someday. And it was those words that came out of my mouth that I believe that it was my 17 year old self that had lived through so much already that that was the, it was almost like that 17 year old girl had come up and said that those words for me at 40, because I couldn't, I was, I was lost. I was like, you know, I didn't know what the heck was going on. And it was the course of those next few years that I really dove into it, dove into this thing of forgiveness, ended up doing a Ted talk on forgiveness um, really finding my way. And it's, it was, it's just a journey, right? Like the whole healing process. It's a journey. How big of a part of that was the set, the Ted talk? And I don't know if I have the title, right? Was it new definition for forgiveness or am I getting that right? Yeah. Need a new mm-hmm. definition for forgiveness. Um, it, it's, it's incredibly powerful. I'll link to it in the show notes for everybody to uh, check it out. If you haven't already seen it, that had to be super cathartic to go through that as well. 
Yeah. So I didn't, you know, a lot of my life, it's very funny, John, like I have these things that are presented to me and I sometimes don't even realize that I'm doing them such as the Ted talk. I ended up meeting the producer of the Ted talk and she said, Hey, like we want you to do a Ted talk. What would you do it on? And I'm going down all this stuff. And then she asks me a question of, I don't get it. How are you? Okay. Like, how have you walked through so much pain and yet you're happy, like you're good. Right. And at that point I'd say I was, I was pretty, I was pretty darn good in 2019. Now I'm great. Now I'm like on the whole other side. Uh, and I said, well, I've learned to forgive. And then she asked me, well, what's your definition of forgiveness? And I realized through the process of writing this Ted talk that my definition of forgiveness is very different than the definition of forgiveness in society. And that in so many people that I talk to, they think that in order to forgive, they have to forget. And to me, why would you ever want to, you don't want to forget it. Like you don't, it's not about sitting in it, right? It's about honoring the fact that you went through this really hard time. And so I don't want to forget, hey, look, you went through that journey and that was, that was really hard and that was difficult. I don't want to forget it. It's that, it's that shifting of perspective into honoring that person, that experience that I walked through and that I've actually come through a better human being because of it. And so for me, that's the definition. It's not condoning the actions. It's not saying what he did was okay. It's not, you know, what he did was completely wrong. That said, I become who I am because of it. And so that's that process of, for, of forgiving. And the book was a few years after that? Yeah, the book came in 2020. The The TED Talk was November of 2019 and actually ended up getting my, HarperCollins published it. And we ended up getting the book deal in 29, November of 2019 as well. I started writing it in uh, December of 2019. And then remember when Australia was in the, all those fires and that's, which seems so long ago. It's like, what? How much has happened? And then I wrote it through 2020 and it was published two days after the election. I think it was two days after the election in 2020. <laughs> so the, the timing, timing. Yeah, great. <laughs> I didn't get, I didn't get a book. I didn't get a, I didn't get a, a whole book launch or anything like that, which was a real big bummer, but that's okay. My next one, when that comes out, I still have to, you know, put that one into play, but there will be a next one. And that one I'll, I'll get, I'll get the book launch. But yeah, it was a fun book to write very, and I say fun because for me, it was like this, you're right, it was extremely cathartic. And it was like allowing myself to go to those places, into the cracks, and to clean out the stuff that needed to get cleaned out and to bring in the light. And so I do love my book. It's not my book, it's everybody else's book. I do, I do love it though. Yeah, well, you were, you were writing it for your whole life. And, and like you said in the book, you, you knew you were going to write it. Uh, many years before yeah. you actually did, but what did it feel like, you know, hitting send on the final manuscript or seeing it on a bookshelf or an Amazon, you know, somewhere where just out in the world, what, what, what kind of sensation do you get when that happens? Uh, I have to say I was really scared. I, I, it was like this cathartic breath of like, yes, I did it. And it also was this, oh my gosh, what did I just do? <laughs> <laughs> it was literally like a ping pong of emotions back and forth because 
I don't hold back in it. It's my story. Yeah, I can I can second that. You definitely don't hold back. There's there's some good stuff in there. And I'll have I'll have a link to it in the show notes as well. To check out the book and the audiobook, which you voice as well, not to get too far off the topic here, but yeah. Yeah. And and the thing is, is that I swore to myself that I wasn't going to hold back. I didn't want to. And I knew that I knew that for my first book, you know, my and there's so much in there that I didn't say, John, like there's a lot of stuff that I didn't put in that book. There's a, there was a, there were many pages that I pulled out and ripped up and I'm like, can't say that. Can't talk about that. Don't want to talk about that. That said, I will say that, you know, at that, at that call it the 30,000 foot view, whatever you want to say, I do, I'm really proud of how much that I did dive into the story because the one thing that I've really, I, I, I wanted to, to really put the story, my story out there, because I think for so many of us, we forget that this is your story, this journey, this walk, this, this, this trail that you're on the blazing, the the trails that you're blazing, this is your story. And you got to own that. And nobody can change your story unless you give them the pen to do it. And so for me, I wanted to make sure that I was penning the story from my heart and soul, from my truth, because for once, I now had the ability to do that. And I could do it in a way that I felt was from my heart and soul to everybody else's that was going to be reading or listening to it. Mm -hmm. And so it was hard, I will say. And there are many times where I was like, God, mom, like I'm putting this out there. And she's like, you got to do what you got to do, girl. You go do what you got to do. Seeing it on the bookshelves in Barnes and Noble. That was, that was, that was huge. I mean, that was huge. It's, I think my kids still like, whoa, that's kind of like creepy. The fact that your, your book is out there, you know, but um, yeah, my family is very, very proud of, of, of me having that book on that bookshelf. Now, were you accustomed to writing before that? No, my mom even said to me, oh, she and I were best friends. Like, I'm so sad that she's not here, though she is in spirit. I, she, I remember she would start reading my Facebook posts and she kept sending me these messages and she's like, who, where did you learn how to write? Like, where did, wh- when did this happen? And then she did say that her dad and her, I think it was her dad and her grandfather were writers. And she did say, she's like, you know, we do have writing in, in our family, but this is like, where did you learn how to do this? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I was an artist. I was a visual artist, art major in college. And I think for me, there's just this, you know, when you're in a visual artist, you're, you're painting with words, right. And emotions and feelings and thoughts. And putting them on paper is just something, it's just a different means of creativity. Yeah, that makes sense. When, when did the trauma coaching come along? That, that's got to be sometime in this time frame too, from the Thanksgiving dinner to the book, somewhere in that time period and, and into now, or when did that start? Yeah, so that actually, so I went to one therapist during that time because I was really at a loss. I mean, I couldn't find help. It was really devastating. And I was pointed to one therapist slash slash coach who really did a great, just a phenomenal job of guiding me out of that space. 
And she told me years later, she said the first time that she saw me, she knew that I was going to take all of this and do something with it. She said, you know, when you're and me too, now with my clients, I can tell, I look at some of my clients, I'm like, oh, I know that they're going to take this and do something with it. I don't know if it was like a year later or so, year and a half later, that's when she said to me, hey, you know, think about taking this into coaching. I think that you might actually have something here. And the whole crossover with the nature and the coaching and the retreats happened when my recovery, my trauma recovery was happening so much faster and deeper than those of the other with those, um, than those who's when I was in the support group with, right. Like than those other people within the support group. And so my coaches, my coach and therapist that were guiding our support group asked me about that. And I said, well, I don't know. I said, maybe it's because I'm out paddling with whales and dolphins and climbing mountains. And then I started diving into it and looking into it. And I realized that's when I started reading uh, all of Florence Williams' books, um, The Nature Fix and different things. And I realized, oh my God, there really is something to this. And I can use this crossover of coaching and using nature and healing and guiding people through the Grand Canyon, which was my space of healing to the thing is though, that I I just want to stress this. It's not, you know, people used to think of me more as a trauma coach. Now I've transitioned into really human potential, right? Like being able to guide people into their human potential, understanding that we have all lived through some sort of trauma. We've all lived through some sort of setback and that really is our greatest classroom. And so the work that I do with people is getting them into that place of understanding, look, you know, those hard times that you've lived through or that you are in right now, this really can be the greatest classroom of your life. And how do we use that to find our greatest potential as humans to make those bold moves and to become who we are intended all along? Yeah. So you've mentioned clients and nature and coaching and Grand Canyon and retreat. So let's just put it all together now. The Grand Canyon retreat. What happens there and, and how do people get involved in that? So I lead, I used to lead about four of these a year. Now I'm down to about two a year. I have one coming up actually the end of January and uh, we limit it to eight clients and there's myself. I'm the primary guide, right? The primary coach. I, I do all the work with people and then I have a co-lead. And so the, I created this program, this like really deep, amazing program off of my own personal development work that I like turning my setbacks into my strengths. And we do a month and a half, a half of coaching prior to, we do weekly coaching with the group. And then you also get a one-on-one session with me. We have the five day intensive in the Grand Canyon. And then we do a month and a half coaching post. And the reason that we do that is because I want people to be prepared to get into that space within themselves that they show up to the canyon at their really at their vulnerable, most amazing space to be able to use that canyon and for that canyon to really see them, right? To be able to, what's the word I'm looking for? Mold them into whatever it is, right? Like nature gives us what we need. And so we dive into this coaching slash hiking slash adventuring, energy work, nature healing, I mean, I do all sorts, I do Reiki healing. We do all sorts of stuff together uh, for those five days. And then we literally climb out and you're a different person. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. 
Sounds pretty awesome. Yeah. It is awesome. And the coolest thing is that, you know, what happens down there, because I've been doing this work for so long, what happens down there is like a metamorphosis, transformation, human potential space that you just can't find anywhere else. Right. And it's, it's really cool. We laugh a lot. We cry a lot. I take people into the coolest places in that canyon that has had deep work for myself. Uh, there's a lot of self-reflection. You know, we, I take people on a night hike where we literally go and we lay on the, on the, on the bridge and we watch the stars fall from the sky. And it's just, there's this otherworldly experience that you have that we unfortunately because we are stuck behind screens so much we don't get enough of mm -hmm. and so that's that beautiful space of how nature really can guide you to a place that you never knew existed and the reason that i that i do the coaching post is because i want people to continue the work and so i want them to integrate it into their everyday life and then also find that outside of, right, the time that we're working together. So my clients have done everything from, from gone and hiking parts of the PCT, the Pacific Crest Trail, to like understanding how to use nature on a daily basis in their life, to um, understanding, you know, putting your feet in the sand is can really take you back to a place of putting your seat in the sand uh, at the bottom of the Grand Canyon when we we're on next to the Colorado River. It's this whole crossover that happens. It's really freaking cool. What is it about the Grand Canyon, you think? I mean, there's lots of places you could go, right? But it's the Grand Canyon. So what, what happens there? You know, it's the only place on earth where you go down and you sit and you do that deep work. How far right? down is it, you know? Uh, we, well, we hike seven miles down to the bottom, uh, and then, uh, we stay down there for two nights, two or three nights. And then we hike out the way that we hike out. It's about 10 miles out, but it's not, it's not like, you know, it's it, people think, oh God, I got to be in this like amazing shape or whatever. And that's not the case. People don't understand their own potential. Like they, they automatically tell themselves no before they even give themselves the space to consider yes. Because of all the imposter syndrome, the stories that we've told ourselves, the saboteurs, the stories that we've heard, right, over and over and over again. That's the beauty of this work, though, is that you only have to say yes once. Once, John, once. And when you have that one time that you say yes to you and you experience what you are capable of, you keep saying yes over and over and over again. That's where you create the bold moves. You have to be able, though, to give yourself the ability to take the risk, that one risk of that. Yes. That very first one. And, you know, it's the only place though on earth where we can go down in and we do the deep work, personal development work. Right. And we clean ourselves out. Like, you know, like I like to say it. And then we come out, we do a lot of crying and laughing, but that's just me also. Like, I love to laugh. Like I'm, just, I freaking love to laugh. So yeah, I cry, but you know, my mom used to say that to me all the time, go cry fill it back up with laughter. And I'm like, okay, that's what I do. That's good. I like that too. Yeah. Awesome. Well, live boldly with Sarah, right? That's the name of the podcast. Yeah. Um, we'll go, we'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. And if somebody wants to find you, Sarah, uh, Sarah .com Yep, is the place to go. And I'm sure all your social links and all the places to find you are there. 
Yes, absolutely. You can find me on LinkedIn, Instagram. Is it ZXWP? I don't even know what that is now. What's the platform, the old Twitter platform? I don't even know what it is it's anymore. It's just X. Yeah. I, X, I can't keep up. Like formerly it, known as Twitter. Just, yeah. Formerly known as Twitter. Okay. So I'm not it's on like that. It's like the artist formerly known as Prince. It's the platform formerly known as Twitter, right? Formerly known as. Yes. 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 Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm not really active on that. Sorry. Uh, but I am on LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and uh, definitely in my website as well. Well, thanks a bunch for hanging out with us, uh, Sarah. It's been a lot of fun. And we've only scratched the surface. I, I do recommend the book. It is really, it, it's tremendous. And uh, the podcast too, you get a lot to know about, uh, Sarah. You got, a, you got some good info and I, I, like, your, I like your style. And um, it's, it's incredible. So thanks for hanging out with us. And I got to tell you, I'm going to go make a... Uh, hot water, honey, lemon drink. I don't have any bourbon. Listen, I don't have any bourbon in this one right now either. Cause well, because I took the bourbon on my last truck. <laughs> so <laughs> I need to go get more. <laughs> Thank you, John. Like this has been an absolute pleasure and I appreciate so much being on. Thanks so much for spending your time with the destiny of debatable podcast. Please rate and write a review wherever you subscribe. It really does help us grow and reach new people. For more information, visit johnbgrimes.com. Destiny is Debatable is a Symblem production.